0: Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome back to the Planes on the Prairie podcast. Uh, I'm Max. And I'm Sam. And today we're going to be giving you guys a history lesson. We're going to be talking um, about the history of the 319th former bomb wing and then the 321st missile wing that was stationed at Grand Forks Air Force Base um, from the 1960s up and through the 1990s in the case of the 321st and then the uh, resident 319th reconnaissance wing that's still there today.
1: Right. And a lot of people... Just associate Grand Forks with the global Hawks, right? That's it's mm-hmm. pretty much what they associate it with, because that's what it's been for so many years. So it's this should be pretty refreshing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I know for uh, some of our older listeners, um, you know, especially in the '80s, Grand Forks was if I remember correctly, one of the super bases um, of Strategic Air Command. And uh, it's kind of funny, um, Matthew Broderick, the War Games movie, Mm -hmm. Grand Forks is actually, I think, the main target for the Soviets in that movie. So kind of a cool little shout out, knowing that we would be obliterated by a nuke. Yeah,
1: and somehow North Dakota makes a spotlight. (laughs) (laughs) Something.
0: Yeah, so we'll get started here. Um, and we are going to mention that this is gonna be a part one. Uh we're having a two-part series. Uh the next episode will be focusing on the fifth bomb wing and the resident missile wing at Minot Air Force Base. So stay tuned for that next week. I think we're we're both really near enough to do some research on that.
1: Yep, the the books are going to be out, and we'll still kind of cover some of our normal stuff at the end of today. We'll Mm -hmm. discuss, you know, some events and stuff like that. So yeah, we'll just dive into it. Absolutely.
0: All right, so. From my research, uh, I know that in September of 1958, um, Grand Forks Air Force Base was already open. It was Mm -hmm. under um, tactical air commander at that time, um, Air Defense Command, and you had the resident 18th Fighter Interceptor Squadron with the F 101s. We've covered them in a past, our past interceptor video from, I think, two years ago. Two years
1: ago, yep. And then we also touch base on them briefly in your video. Yeah, uh, we'll drop some links in the podcast description here for you.
0: Yeah, but in September of 1958, uh, Strategic Air Command established the 400, or what, 411th, 33rd Strategic Wing at Grand Forks Air Force Base. And in the beginning, I don't think they had that many aircraft assigned to them. just just a
1: dispersal area, right? Exactly.
0: And uh, in February of 1963, just a few short years later, they are reconstituted as the 319th Bomb Wing. And it it took the lineage of the World War II, 319th Bombardment Group. So during our research, and we've actually, again, to mention another video that we've covered, um, the B 20 actually, excuse me, I am getting ahead of myself. The uh, A-26 invader at Grand Forks Air Force Base, uh, for once, I actually can't name a tail number off the top of my head. (laughs) but that A-26 is painted up in 319th bomb bombardment group markings. So what makes the 3, 319th unique was that it was the first Martin B-26 marauder group um, assigned to the Mediterranean theater operations. So flying the B-26s, they were assigned um, interdiction missions either against Italian targets or German targets um, along the Italian coast and mainland. Um, and then I believe those operations went into mid to late 1944. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, early 1945, the 319th was rotated back to the United States and training on B-25s and eventually A-26s, um, they were reassigned to the Pacific theater where they actually flew from Okinawa and hit Japanese targets in mainland China. Hmm. And they did that through August, 1945, through the end of the war.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. A lot of these units are, as you you mentioned before we started this recording here, a lot of these units are really well-traveled, all these active duty units. So it's, you know, you'll get a completely unique story um, through them, but they all kind of share the Share the you know history of you know bouncing between theaters, or, World War II, we're going to Korea or wherever. It's really interesting.
0: Yeah, and you know we we were talking again beforehand. It's like some of those B 24 excuse me, the B twenty six crews. You know they could have hit a German rail yard in Italy, and then a dam in Germany, and then a, a camp in Japan or China. It's like some of those pilots. They must have seen. You know hundreds of miles thousands actually
1: well and that's the thing with like the b-26 and b-25 units in world war ii b-25 served in every imaginable theater same with the b-26 you got new guinea you got you know the mediterranean uh france everything it's just lumped in it's really really interesting
0: now sam off the top of your head do you know are there any bombers that were used exclusively in the pacific and not in europe or vice versa Sorry to put you on the yeah, you're on the putting side. me on the spot. I
1: mean, someone can probably correct me. I believe the twenty sixes, A twenty sixes, were primarily Pacific, okay. but they weren't. I don't think they were exclusive. Um, you had the P sixty one Black Widow that, that was exclusive. that was exclusively specific, yeah. Pacific. That's not a bomber. I mean, you had everything serving widespread. I mean, like people like yeah. to associate B seventeen with the. European theater, but they're extensively used, early World War II especially, um, used as reconnaissance machines. The 24 was widely used by the British and Burma, but yeah, getting off on a side tangent there, <laughs> but yeah, there's, you know, pretty well-traveled aircraft for sure.
0: Absolutely. So um, after the war, uh, the unit was deactivated like most of those World War II squadrons. Mm-hmm. However, they were brought back up, um, you know, not even three, four years later, Uh, This time under the Air Force Reserve component, where they flew F-84s and F-86s until um, the Air Force Reserves uh, were switched over to the exclusive role as being troop carriers and cargo planes. Mm -hmm. Um, And that didn't exist for very long. I think only maybe about 10 years, 10, 15, give or take. Um, and then obviously we know that Air Force Reserve Units fly fighters and C-130s today. Yep. Um what I found was interesting during my research going back to uh the World War II era of the 319th was Mercury 7 astronaut Deke Slayton. Um we should have an episode about astronauts here yes. eventually someday. But Deke Slayton, the astronaut from the Mercury 7, actually flew A26s 319 um from Okinawa. It's kind of a cool little tidbit. That is. Um, you know, the fact that those original astronauts, you know, has, even if it's distant, has some connection to Grand Forks Air Force Base is pretty cool. I well, mean, you said it best there. <laughs> um. So, yeah. And then we mentioned that the A-26 on display at the gate is in the markings of uh, the 319th A-26. Yep. And that
1: one's still on our slate to do in walk around videos as Absolutely. well. So.
0: And I, I do know that there is another, um, 319th marked A26 in a museum. Um, I know a gentleman that I follow on Instagram has posted a couple of pictures of it. Uh the A26s of the 319th to be very easily distinguished because they had a bright blue, well, mm-hmm. maybe blue on right. its tail. And then depending on what number of aircraft it was in the flight, whether it was, you know, one, two, four, eight, seven, twelve, whatever, um, they'll have that number in big white letters on the back. And it's it doesn't have any connection to the tail number whatsoever. It's just that owns aircraft
1: aircraft identification. Exactly, yeah.
0: exactly. And I think the Grand Forks one is either 01 or 10. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's it has a zero and a one in it. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And then uh through the Cold War, uh the 319th flew uh B52s and then KC 135A's. Um through the 1960s up and through the 1980s, mm-hmm. and then Sam, if you want to talk a little bit about what came after the B-52s.
1: So after the B-52s, I mean, they transferred from the H, uh, from the G to the H, and was it G2H, and then or was it H to G? because oh, I mean I'm an
0: English major, I should know my alphabet. No, I, yeah, I'm, I'm
1: <laughs> through my research. I was kind of finding. Both, like they transferred from yeah. an H model to a G model. Well, I know
0: the G model is what's currently in service. So right, probably be H
1: Yeah, so and they transferred to those in '83, um, and then the last 52 departed in 1987. And what came next was was the B one B Lancer, mm-hmm. which would have been a heck of an aircraft to see. Okay. Wish they would have preserved one at the base. But
0: well, you know, with how many of them are being retired nowadays,
1: it's a possibility. It's a good I mean, possibility. Yeah. So then, and then, unfortunately, the bombing. Uh, section left in 94 but um you can still see the B- uh, b-52 outs front there with a hound dog missile yeah. air to ground missile and we've covered that in a mm-hmm. video earlier on in our um youtube channel days there and you can find that here in our description as well and then something something interesting that came up in 1980 that may warrant its own video i'm not sure but um, in September 1980, B-52 experienced a wing fire. Yeah, uh, that was uh, there was high winds that night. There was, uh, according to the statement, it was 25 plus miles an hour winds. I mean, not uncommon for North Dakota at all. But it uh, basically the wind, as long as it stayed in one direction, it wouldn't uh, fan towards the fuselage and what was inside the fuselage, or um, a couple bombs.
0: And, Thermonuclear.
1: Um uh, specifically plutonium. Oh. So um a little scary. Yeah. If the wind would have changed at all, according to a statement, uh, yeah, it could have been uh, some widespread fallout. So uh thankfully the North Dakota wind was at least somewhat forgiving.
0: <laughs> I'd say that's the first time I've ever thanked <laughs> thank, thank
1: the you. wind from doing what yeah. it's doing. I mean, it fanned it for three hours, but they got it out. That might be something to dive into.
0: Now, were, were there any casualties?
1: There were no casualties with that one. There was another. There was an explosion. An explosion that took three.
0: Yeah.
1: Three to five members. I forget the number, but yeah, there's there was three incidents at the base with all with fifty twos, and I forget the third one, but there's three separate incidents, which, you know, for the you know, 20 plus years that they were there. It's not too, not too bad. And considering yeah. safety policies, they, safety as a pilot, um, you know, we've learned that safety has evolved over time. I mean, hearing some of the stories of fighter pilots in world war two, having a glass of whiskey or having a beer and then going up and on a scramble an hour later, is just unheard of. We have to follow a rule, you know, yeah. eight hours from consuming anything. So it's just, um, safety has definitely progressed. So, For my very amateur opinion on this, I think uh, three accidents in that many, you know, that many years, pretty impressive. Or incidents, I should say. Unfortunately, they lost some people, Mm -hmm. which, which always is not ideal. But, but yeah, pretty, pretty impressive safety record, in my opinion. So, yeah. uh, So
0: after the you mentioned after the B ones in 1994, that was the end of the bombing mission. Yes. But KC-135 still stuck around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's another video that we have hopefully coming up in the near future is the static uh, KC-135A model that's on display out in front of the base. For a long time, I remember talking to you about it in our several times that we visited the base. That KC-135-63-8005 is the youngest kc-135 on display anywhere in the country it's not the youngest that's not flying anymore but it's the youngest one that's on display mm. for a long time i was like, how would they pull out you know something that fresh, something that fresh yeah. and especially if you look at joe bauer's amazing website mm. both 004 and 006 are still flying mm. And you know, it, it took a little bit, but I finally found out from a gentleman that was a former KC one thirty five maintenance officer at Grand Forks that that one had a cracked backbone. Oh, sorry. and it could not be repaired. He said that there it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. Yes. So they were permitted a one time ferry flight to Grand Forks. Mm-hmm. Was decommissioned. I don't know if it was always an A model or if they had to the retrofit on A model, um, you know, engine setups but we have it yeah I can't <laughs> I complain. can't complain so. yeah can't complain.
1: well and you got to see something pretty exciting um we talked about it in our last uh episode oh, yeah. yeah it was you got to see it fly over yeah
0: so. yep yeah. it was you know especially at my friend it was you know the the pilot of the lead or co-pilot of the lead b52 mm-hmm. and you know when i was this would have been 2019 he and i went on an easter sunday road trip up to grand forks and got to see the static displays and you know oh it's always great to you know hang out with friends but i think it's a little better when you hang out with older planes and there we also. go <laughs> so, but yeah seeing him fly over the statics at grand forks was you know, that's something i'm learning right it gave me goosebumps then and it giving me goosebumps now just thinking about you know how special of a moment that was for me right. and him
1: definitely a full circle moment too absolutely and a cool tribute to the history of the Grand Forks
0: yeah. yeah yeah well and then uh the uh going back on topic here the, the air refueling mission eventually did leave Grand Forks in 2010 um the last of the KC-135Rs uh, departed for various units mm-hmm. throughout the country um, and they're missed. I know a lot of people miss having, you know, either, you know, just having a man flying mission. Yeah,
1: same as here as Fargo, right? Yeah. Everybody misses a man mission.
0: But you know, with the RQ 4s you know, they're more involved in global politics and the geopolitical right. World
1: well, we have they have a good presence there. I mean, they have Reapers visit once in a while for training, and uh, that ramp is pretty full once in a while down on down off Highway Two there. So,
0: and I know Grand Forks. It's a huge base too so i know that um if there's ever any bad weather let's say i know in oklahoma or florida it's not rare to have like i know they're being phased out as we speak but e6 mercuries right um, rc135s from off they'll get sent up to grand forks it's you know it's not rare maybe it's not not rare but you know, it's not uncommon that, you know, we might see a old 135 parked at the end of the ramp with a Christmas tree or that right. used to be like old times. Right?
1: <laughs> well, and who knows? Something in the future could shake out Maybe. Uh, for a manned mission. It's
0: definitely got the always, capability for absolutely. It, absolutely, Absolutely. So, yeah, that kind of wraps much. up the 319th. Um, again, such a distinguished unit. And then in the short time that we have, you know, we I, we both wish that we could cover so much more of their history,
1: but yeah, we could in a conversation, in a conversation for sure. Yeah. And next time we'll be covering the fifth bomb wing. I'm going to be taking you over to Minot over the airwaves here, but um, so that one will be exciting. And then uh, I guess to wrap things up, we got a few. Oh yeah. We got the uh, 321st 21st talk.
0: We want to. We could talk about that. All right. All right. Well, we should also mention that um, in addition to the 319 at Grand Forks, they also had the 321st Strategic Missile Wing. Uh, so when you pull up to Grand Forks Air Force Base, unfortunately, it's no longer there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was blown down during a storm, but they used to have um, an ICBM, a Minuteman 3 on display. And, you know, when you think of North Dakota, a lot of people obviously think of you know agriculture, the bison and then you think of nuclear missiles. Yes. And uh back in the heyday of the Cold War, um Grand Forks was actually the first um strategic air command missile base. Uh, they were the first to receive Minuteman, I believe, ones and twos um in that you know entire uh missile field that stretched, oh my gosh, from just south of Jamestown up just um, near our old summit grounds of Wahala. Right. But yeah. But actually, he, I think everywhere where people are. Square miles. Yeah.
1: It's just a ridiculous coverage of the state.
0: But so their history goes back to the 321st Bomb Group uh, Medium during the Second World War. And like the 319th, they also operated out of the Mediterranean. However, they flew uh, North American B 25 Mitchells. And that's that they flew exclusively throughout the war mm-hmm. um i believe it wasn't uh shouldn't even said it but the uh the variants it wasn't the gunship version i think only the navy and marines oh well, no air force flew. air force
1: did fly them the yeah pbjs and stuff were also outfitted but are you talking the j model or yeah yeah because so. you got the h which, which has the 75 yeah. but not many units were equipped with that mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and they only flew missions again out of the Mediterranean, um, striking targets in mostly Italy, uh, the former Yugoslavia, stuff along those lines. Um, I also read interestingly that they participated in psychological operations. Hmm. So instead of mounting bomb- or putting bombs into their bomb bay, they would actually load it up with um, you know, just huge things of pamphlets that they would drop over, you know, German or occupied territory that they would in theory land in the hands of some young German conscript or something who's like, you I don't want to die for this. Right. Yeah. And get them to either lay down their weapon or, you know, just, you know, not pick it up when mm. the day that the invasion came. So really interesting stuff. This. Yeah. Uh, so after World War II ended, the 321st was again like most of the units deactivated. Mm. Uh, but as soon as the Cold War started, brought right back up. And the 321st actually was a sign. Uh, B-47 Stratojets, so some of those really early Cold War Jets, okay. with, uh, the quintessential polished aluminum with the sac Milky Way, str- uh, oh, it makes a <laughs> hard jump out of my chest thinking about them, but they flew out of Florida. They were actually never signed to Grand Forks Air Force Base, um, and then eventually, I think, as the B-47s were phased out uh, towards the end of the 1950s, uh, the three twenty first was deactivated once again. However, Air Force brass loves to bring back old units, must have mm-hmm. maybe one of the generals, was, you know, a private or an airman at the time. And the 321st was brought back in 1964, now as the 321st Strategic Missile Wing. Mm-hmm. And they were the first SAC-trained uh, Minuteman Missile Squadron anywhere, or wing, excuse me, um, in the entire Air Force. And they were assigned to Grand Forks Air Force Base, and eventually move their way up from the Minuteman 1 to the 2, and then lastly, the 3. And it's kind of cool, uh, even though I believe all but one of the former Grand Forks um, uh, command launch centers, or I, I don't know the, the exact name, but where the actual crews would be at, um, one of them still us today in Cooperstown, North Dakota. Yep. Uh, Oscar Zero, going to give a shout out to my man Rob, the uh, site director there. That dude has probably forgotten more about the 319th and 321st than we know. Yeah. than we even know. Super yeah. nice guy. Yeah. If you're ever looking for something to do, um visit Cooperstown, the Ronald Reagan Memorial or Missile Ronald Reagan Missile Site. Yep. Awesome spot.
1: Well, and I've been seeing uh posters all over town
0: uh oh, science. Yeah, the tour. They, the yeah. tour,
1: yeah, they've been uh Advertising. So if you see any of those ads, take a look at them and make your way out there.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and as the Cold War was winding down in the 1990s, uh, the 321st was unfortunately not spared from that. So um, I believe it was in the late 1990s, around the time that I was born, actually, that they uh, that they were imploding all the former silos. All the Minuteman missiles were uh, removed and then I believe shipped to either. I think they were shipped to Maelstrom or F.E. Warren. I don't think anyone were sent to Minot. I think they were all sent to the Montana, Wyoming, and that's where they exist today. And All the silos were imploded, um, filled with gravel, and then exploded, and you know, so they'll never be operational. However, as mentioned, uh, Cooperstown is the last surviving publicly accessible uh, launch control facility, and they also have uh, a Minuteman silo. You can't look down into do it like you can in um, Ellsworth at the right. That missile or that location, um, but it's still you know representat- representative. Representative, can say that <laughs> um, It it represents what a missile silo would have looked like yeah. if it had not been opened, which fortunately we never have we had to see that in anger because I don't think anyone would be alive to tell you. What it no,
1: happened. well, and you can't miss the concrete slab. Yeah, on um, the rails. Have you seen it before? Yeah, I've been out to the site. It was. It's been about ten years since I've been there, but. You like the goat, yeah. One of what and to the, add it to the long list, yeah. But
0: absolutely, and then, yes, I believe in 1997 through 21st was affectionately deactivated. Sure, for the final time. So, yeah, that's that kind of wraps up the history of the bomb and missile wings at Grand Forks. And I'm sorry, Sam, that I kind of pushed that up at the end there. But
1: no, I um, thank you for doing <laughs> that. We have bloopers here, and that's okay. So,
0: <laughs> but yeah, we'll, um. Next week, or in the sometime in the near future, we will bring you part two, where we focus on Minot Air Force yep. Base.
1: That one will be quite exciting.
0: Yes, because they're still actually flying their big old bombers. Oh, yeah.
1: Yep. Why not? Why, 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 why not? not? Why not? Yeah, there you the go. reason
0: is the reason. There you <laughs> go.
1: <laughs> yeah, so thanks for tuning in. Um, as for a couple of things we're looking forward to here, we'll keep you um, updated on them, but we are hoping to well max is hoping to get to air expo yep
0: i uh that will be for the time of recording that will be next saturday and sunday the 21st mm-hmm. and the twenty second, or 22nd and
1: 23rd yes 22nd, 22nd.
0: yep uh, i will be there both days uh, i'll probably be more available uh that sunday um but hey if you're there well i'll have planes on the prairie stickers um i'd love to sit down and talk especially about the razorback mustang and hopefully fingers crossed thunderbird will be there yes hopefully 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 yeah um i hope to see a lot of familiar faces and even more new ones
1: oh yeah yeah and then um i'm kind of torn right now i have potentially an opportunity to go to oshkosh so if we can work that out we'll cover both Uh, if not my fallback is going to air expo and i guess i'll have to spend sunday with max but that'll be all right so
0: thanks yeah
1: (laughs) um and after as this recording is released um i've gone to detroit lakes flying hopefully weather permitting um so that'll be fun i'm excited for that
0: and p51 that we're very familiar with here in fargo is hoping to make it out hopefully yes
1: i did talk to him and he is itching to go so yeah and then i'll i'll have coverage of that hopefully by now and at least just a post on um on uh Instagram, and Facebook pages. Uh, we'll try to, if there is anything for a video, we'll probably put that together. But, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. um As always, let us know if there's anything you'd like us to cover, any comments or um, suggestions, anything. really we anything. We'll we'll talk. A, yeah,
0: yeah. i can probably tell I love hearing my own voice. So yeah, give us you know a reason to sit down and talk. If you know, if you yourself are a pilot. If you know someone if your grandpa flew 500 missions in vietnam we want to sit down and talk with
1: you right and we're open to anything we are trying to stick to that format where we're doing a you know one of these podcast recordings every week released um our target now is going to be mondays at 9 a.m central time and then we're also looking to put out a couple of videos a month uh, anything between hangar visits so we like the ryan meyer episode where we looked at that luscombe um, anything between that, and then walk around such as you know, air museum aircraft. We still have plenty to cover at the five air museum. We have bonanza other air museums, and then kebabs. We need to get back under on, on yeah, the horse on fun. that, and um, so we have plenty of opportunities and options to look at aircraft. Um, so we're hoping to put nice and consistent content out there for you, along with fly ins and air shows.
0: Absolutely. So,
1: Absolutely. so yeah, thanks again, guys, and we'll uh, touch you a bit, touch base with you on the next one.
0: All right.